and welcome to another episode of A Big Girl's Guide. I'm your host, Jen P.K., and I have with me the very talented Debbie McElhaney. That's right. Hey! Hey. (laughs) That's not professional at all. Okay. (laughs) How are you today, I'm good. So good to be here with you, Jen. I really, really uh, appreciate you asking me. For sure. You were always so funny. So Debbie and I did a comedy class together in 2020, right before all hell broke loose. Yeah. And we did our show the day Kobe died, which was horrible because you can't even be happy because everybody's talking about how Kobe died, RIP. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that so was a rough day. Like my friends came to pick me up to drive me to Dallas and they were like, Did you know Kobe died? I said, Thank you for telling yeah. me that. I mean, I'm not a huge like sports fan or anything, but that's still sad, especially yeah. his daughter. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want anybody to die. And I know other people will be sad because like one of the friends picking me up was he's a sports person. He likes the sports. So but um luckily I think the show put some people in a decent mood for you know a couple hours. And yeah. then we go back into the morning. So so yeah. that's how I met Debbie. And she was super funny. And I felt so awkward every time in class because every time they'd be like, um, talk about, you know, like critiquing each other. I didn't like doing that <laughs> because oh especially when y'all gave me praises about my comedy first, you know, or like anybody, then it made me feel like, oh, it's that heifer. She knows, <laughs> she know everything about everything. And I don't want her to tell me about my comedy. And I was like, I don't want to, like, we're in the class together. I, I'm not doing anything either. <laughs> like, you're probably on stage far more than me. I can almost guarantee it. So and probably do a whole lot more things than I do. I see that you're out and about all the time. Do you work at like DCC at Dallas Comedy Club? Um, you know, I just found a home there. Really fortunate for me. And I enjoy the people and the vibe. And, you know, I just kind of landed there. But um, yeah, that class was amazing that we took together. And I just always thought, what is this girl doing here? She's so talented. Oh my God. I mean, seriously, seriously, Jen, I was just like, everything you said I could relate to. And it just was so natural. And I was like, I need to try to figure out how to get there, you know? So no, but um, you have your own, you have your own thing. Cause I looked at you and I kept thinking, she's an actress, not to say you can't do comedy because all kinds of different comedy. Like my standup is more like sarcastic, stuff that happens to me I'm sort of a storyteller but my stories are short where you're like more of a long storyteller like you're it's well thought out and written out and performed and I'm like you know like a I just I'm trying to think of one that's not controversial and I can't think of one but there are lots of comedians yeah, yeah, yeah. the first one came to mind has something to do with putting putting pops and I was like I won't say it so you know who he is um <laughs> but I always wanted to try to be more natural and you know not like I'm but I'm bum you know hey this is the joke get it yuck 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 you know <laughs> yeah so um so yeah it was it was a great experience and I've just been doing a lot of open mics trying to finesse it and figure it out and figure out what I want my voice to be you know because that's really tricky too um because I felt like the things that landed were the things that, I mean, I'm never going to be like a body comic, but (laughs) the things that landed were the things that were a little bit, you know, edgy. 
And I was like, I always felt so uncomfortable with that. Yeah. <laughs> class. And so, um, you know, I, I think I'm getting to a place now where I'm trying to be more introspective about my life and my past and what makes me the awkward person that I am now. You know? We're all so awkward. That's what, that's what makes, that's what makes you lovable though, is that you're not, you lean into your imperfections. Like we all know that nobody's perfect, but you lean into yeah. it. And that's, that, that makes you uh, relatable and interesting. And if people take the time to actually listen to you, listen to your stories, they're going to, they're going to laugh one way or the other. You don't have to be nasty. When I first started, a lot of my jokes were blue because that's where I was at the time in my brain. Like that's what made me laugh. It wasn't necessarily, I was like, penises are funny. They're funny to me. Guys are weird about it. And it makes me, <laughs> it makes me laugh, <laughs> but it wasn't, but I was like in my late twenties, early thirties, I won't say how old I am now. I was just like a couple of years ago, um, but I, <laughs> but that's just like not where um, where I am now. Now it's like, you know, I'm not. I I can really I can talk about dating a little bit, and I can talk about you know guys from my past, and yeah. I can still tell some dirty jokes. But you know, a lot of my stuff, you know, you listen is probably it's like about my kids and yeah, stupid stuff that happens to me yeah. at work and things like that. You know, because that's just like where I am now. I don't like a lot of. I, I don't care. I don't not like blue comedy, but I don't like blue comedy just for the sake of being blue. Agreed, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a prude. I'll laugh at a rough joke, you know, but it's just yeah. it's just not easy for me to tell those jokes. That's what I'm trying to say. And you don't have to. Yeah, there's a, there's enough women that do that. A lot of women do that. Like, I think they feel yeah. like they have to be nasty just to get seen. And maybe that's that. Maybe that's their personality too. Maybe they you know just some freaks, and that's fine. Right. <laughs> you know right. we're not going to shame them for that whatever your thing is but yeah. it's like it's like if I sometimes you can tell that it's maybe a, a put on like maybe like that's not who they are on a regular basis but it sounds right so I can play with the boys because the boys yeah. are nasty <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun yeah. so like, what got you into comedy because you do advertising right Right. Yeah. I, um, I make my living in advertising. I, I work with the video production department. So I do like all the administrative stuff so that they can get out in the field and shoot the commercials and edit the commercials. So I take care of all the contracts and making sure vendors get paid and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, there's definitely a need for it and I'm really good at it because I can be real organized and, you know, keep, keep things flowing. Um, but it, it wasn't, um, a, it's not a huge creative job for me personally. Oh, and, okay. and I did miss creativity and, and kind of exploring those areas. So that's why I started taking classes again, because I was like, you know what, there's something I'm missing in my life that mm -hmm. made me happy a long time ago. And, um, and I realized it was just being around creative people and doing, um, creative things and thinking through stuff, you know, whether it's writing or performing or um, singing or, you know, whatever that is. And so there was the Dallas Comedy House was offering classes in improv. And I thought, you know, I never really explored that. So I'll mm -hmm. try it see if I can still do it at this age. And, um, you know, if it works out, then great. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And I, I felt like I was home again, you know, it was like all of a sudden I was around 
people that um, just, there's just a different feeling when you're around people that like to perform and stuff. Um, yeah. Explore creative avenues. And um, I, after taking the improv program, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna take sketch. I wanna do more writing and, you know, performing because that'll break me back to my theater roots mm -hmm. and something that I'm more comfortable with where it's something rehearsed instead of made up on the spot. And I enjoyed sketch a lot. So then they offered storytelling, which I've never done before. And I thought, you know, this is really an interesting form of expression. Every storytelling <laughs> performance I ever saw at the Comedy House, and some of them weren't necessarily funny. Some of them right. were dra more dramatic, but every show that I saw was so impressive. And it's because they're telling stories from a truthful place. It's from a real experience that this person had. And, you know, just the vulnerability and the honesty and telling those stories with an audience was very compelling. And, you know, it was, it was people from all walks of life. I mean, it, it was a teacher, you know, that wanted to, to just try something different or, um, you know, somebody that had to work on a presentation for work and they're like, well, I'm not comfortable doing this, but maybe if I take this class, it'll make me feel better. Yeah. And, um, and I found it fascinating. I really did. You know, how do you craft that story in a way that is appealing to a, an audience? Mm -hmm. And then um, the last class I took was the stand-up. And it was the one thing that I said, I will never take stand-up. I'm never going to do stand-up. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, at that point, I'm like, well, I've been through the rest of the program. Why not just give it a try? If I fall flat on my face, I fall flat on my face. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm only hurting myself. And really only hurting myself for not trying something, you know, mm -hmm. that was pushing the envelope and pushing the boundaries of my comfort zone. Right. And, uh, and I really enjoyed it. You know? good. And I found um, just from going to the open mics and everything, I didn't know what the comedy world was going to be like in terms mm -hmm. of like stand up comedy. I just, yeah. for some reason in my mind, I had it as it was going to be really competitive and people were going to be ugly and, you know, fighting for spaces. Mm -hmm. It's not that at all. I mean, that has not been my experience at all. I mean, people have been so generous and so kind, mm -hmm. you know, on nights that you just didn't hit anything and had a really bad night and you walk off stage and, and they sense that and they're like, hey, you know what? Come back next week. It'll be better. Yeah. I'm like, Thanks, you know, or just saying, hey, you know, when you told this one joke, this really landed. That's great. You know, so it's like, it's, it's a backhanded way of saying, hey, maybe you want to focus more on this area, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's right. Thank you, you know, really. So, um, you know, I'm not doing professional stand-up shows at all, but I am doing the open mics and just enjoying that and, um, you know, stretching myself. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Eventually you'll get the, you'll get the professional yeah. shows. You're doing professional like, improv shows and stuff like that. Yeah. I made the house team this year. So that's a lot of fun. We're, we're doing the Herald format, which is um, something was a little intimidating at first, but we got it and, you know, having a good time. So that's so fun. I, I did improv as a kid. I tried to do it as an adult, but I'm just too, I don't know. <laughs> it just doesn't go with my, my current personality I guess like I like I, I just I didn't know any I went to an audition and I was like I don't know any of the little zip zap 
I don't know any of the yeah, yeah. And stuff. And <laughs> I'm not comfortable being completely foolish. <laughs> no offense, but there's a there's a level of foolishness to the games and stuff like that. So I just I I couldn't make myself do it. I was like I was trying. I say like, I felt like I did really well with the, the scripts part. <laughs> I yeah. was like I can read and you know I'm an actress, but the the playing and hey and like I just, yeah. It's like why we're all, it's all time old. For yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And, and in like the beginning, there, so. <laughs> and in the beginning, getting out of your head is really hard, right? Because yeah. you want to anticipate and think. But, you know, just getting to that place where you can finally be a clean slate and just react, it's hard to get there. But once yeah. you do, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, maybe, it's like that little light bulb goes off. Maybe I'll try it again in the future. I don't know. Because I, that's like one of my, one of my, one of my things in life is that I feel like my inability to look foolish <laughs> I don't want to keeps me from doing a lot of things it's like I don't want to <laughs> I don't I don't I'm not ready for the comment section so I'm very very close very close to that like I can take a criticism and I can take a criticism to my face but like when I get home I'm probably not going to be happy about it <laughs> I'm probably not going to be happy about it I can get through the meeting but I'm gonna be like <sighs> How dare you? I was amazed. There's some times where you're on stage and you hear people going, what is happening? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, okay, just let it, just go with it. Have fun, you know? As long Mark. as you're having fun, that's really all that matters. Yeah, yeah. And if you're having a good time, the audience will, they'll get there with you, you know? Yeah. That's kind of like, like stand up too. It's like, I think it's funny. It's hilarious. Like, I'm just really just trying to make myself laugh. If you laugh yeah. too, that's fantastic because that's kind of uh, addicting. Like you want, you want to hear that laughter. And if you don't, you're like, cause that's what I told somebody. Like my first time I went to um, a club to try an open mic. I just was like, there's, it was like a bucket list situation or whatever. I was like, I'm going to do it. Like I was recently divorced and I was single. And my, my kids are still little, but not like little, little. Um, so I went out one night and I was like, I'm just going to watch this thing and then like the comics there um were just like you you know go up go try it and I was like I haven't written anything like I don't really I don't do this I was just looking and uh I just made up some stuff I sat down with a napkin and I made some stuff up and I went up there and I did my three minutes and I got a lot of laughs and I was like I like this and then it was kind of like I'm gonna do it but I yeah. swear if I hadn't gotten any laughs I, you probably wouldn't know me <laughs> just oh, like, oh, I would not have done it like at all but I haven't, I, I did it for like two and a half years and then took a break because my kids missed me at nighttime. You know, I felt bad. So I was already working like two and three jobs and then I'm gone doing something else that I don't have to do because I'm not getting paid for it. Right. So, right. so then, you know, and then it was just finding the courage to go do it again. Cause my best friend was just like, you should go, you should go do it. You got to get in comedy again. You're funny. And I'm like, I don't have the time for that. And then the scene, I, I think I came out one time some years ago for about a month or so just trying the different open mics and the scene had changed completely from when I did it before like a lot of the people that I was with had graduated to LA or something you know right right so then it was like a bunch of new people and it was like where did all these people come from because I swear there wasn't this many comics in the world now there's like 
a hundred people in this open mic. Now we're here till three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, right. mm, no. And I was starting at the bottom again, you know, when you'd work your way up from the chairs to actual being in front of people. <laughs> it was hard to start and being the last person up there talking to maybe your one comic friend who who managed to stay around because they were drinking or whatever. And and then I was just like, you know what, I don't even know if I can do this scene anymore. And then you know, I've tried it recently and it seems, I'm glad you've had a positive experience. I don't know. I'm in the, in the Facebook groups and they don't sound so happy. <laughs> They're very intimidating out there. I'm just like, oh, y'all seem very snappy. Y'all have a lot of dramas, which I do not want to be a part of. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, but that's I'm not glad for me either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and during the pandemic, I mean, it was just, it was so hard with everything shut down and um, this one gal, Michelle Rose Dom, God bless her. She just kept the open mic Mondays going via Zoom and was really rough. I mean, you know, yeah. But it was a way to work that muscle every week and support other people that were just trying to work on stuff and just, you know, do something, do something yeah. creative. And um, when we finally came out of the pandemic and we were able to meet in person, the people that were local. It was so wonderful to finally see them that you'd only seen them over Zoom for a year. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like, like a homecoming, you know? I mean, it was, it was really exciting. And, um, you know, been really, have a really different relationship with those people that we did Zoom for a year together, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and seeing them out in the world. And um, a lot of them are, are really, you know, grinding and, and doing great. They're all over the place. I just go to the places where I know how to get to. You know? Understandable. <laughs> I totally get that. I totally get that. When I was when I was more active, it was just like I know how to get to Dallas Hyenas, so I would go there all the time right. because Arlington Hyenas was where I started, and they closed years and years and years ago. So then it was like, let me try Fort Worth, but I didn't like the Fort Worth scene then. I don't know what it's doing now. So I would always go to Dallas Hyenas, and I would go to. Um, Arlington Improv sometimes, but usually I would just watch. I don't think I've been on their stage before. And um, yeah, I would just, mostly it was Dallas Hyenas for, for yeah. a year or so, because I was like, I know where that is. You know, people would tell me like, you know, there's the Addison Improv that just sounds far. I've, you know, been there, obviously. I performed there in September. It's very far. And the only reason I performed there is because my best friend had already pre-agreed to drive me over <laughs> Oh, nice. I hate nice. driving to Dallas. And then the Dallas Comedy House, which is now called the Dallas, Dallas Comedy Club. Okay. Yeah. Why did they change the name? Do you know? Because it, it, it's a new owner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and they are offering two open mics. They have an open mic on Wednesday nights and on Sunday afternoons. So like, you know, for the people that work late and still want to try their craft on the weekends it's nice to have a Sunday afternoon shot at it yeah especially if you can get in early because it gets dark at five <laughs> yeah exactly I love winter yeah <laughs> it's about to be pitch black outside in just a few minutes I know so how do you so are you thinking about making entertainment like your your job um I mean, I'm at an age where it's like, I, I'm not going to be unrealistic that this is going to be a career anymore. This is like my second life and just trying to do things that I enjoy. Mm 
And, you know, if it becomes something else, that's fantastic. If it doesn't, I'm very satisfied with where I am right now. As long as I keep growing and learning new things and can have a creative outlet. You know, I just don't want to get stagnant again because I got for several years there and, and um, just kind of got really down and kind of in a dark space mentally because I didn't have a creative outlet. So um, yeah, things are good now. Battling, I, I, I've battled depression, so I totally understand that. And when you just feel like, what is, what, what, <laughs> like, what, what, right? what, yeah. like, I got to get up. Like I, my, my kids are my lifeline. I don't, I don't know what I do without them. So it was like, I have to get up for them, but I don't, there, there, there have been days in my life where I'm just like, I don't know that I would get up if I didn't have to, this is like, right. it's, it's easier to just go take a nap right now. Exactly. No, I <laughs> get on it. Hand. Seems like a lot of work right now. I yeah. don't want to do this job. I don't want to go here. I don't want to, like, my life is not doing what I wanted to do and I don't like it <laughs> and I don't know how to not how to do it you know so you get kind of trapped and stuck and you're like what to do but um for some of us being creative can really pull you out of some dark dark times and, and you create things for yourself like the big girl's guide I mean you know and this podcast and all of you know everything that you have tied into this which is amazing thank you i I am avoiding open mics. So <laughs> how can I put, cause I was like, I'm, I was like, I want, I have this very weird like issue with anonymity that I've had my whole life. It's like, see me, but don't see me. Okay. Know me, but also you don't know me. <laughs> I went through a whole period in high school trying to come up with a um, stage name. Cause I did not want to use my real name. I don't want anybody coming out and being like, I know her, you know? Uh, I don't want any stories about where I came from or who I was or whatever. And it's not like I've done anything. I have no criminal record. I'm a teacher. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I just don't want anybody talking about me. I was just like, it's very weird. I was like, I want to be famous, like since I was little, but also I don't want anybody to know who I am. It's very, very strange. So I, I kind of fight it. Um, but, you know, I took the last comedy class I took because. I wanted to get out there, but I didn't want to go to a bunch of open mics and I knew there was going to be a showcase. Right. <laughs> so right. I was like, I'm going to do this, get this out. And then, you know, then I'll get to do the stage thing without having to go night after night and sitting there listening yeah. to people who may or may not be amusing, honestly, and <laughs> just right. waiting to be the last person, you know, right. it's like 50 people just listen to that nonsense. And one person gets to hear this amazingness coming out of my mouth. And that's not fair. But, (laughs) and also I teach at night. So when I get off um, work and I shut the computer down, I'm shut down. And so it's like like to think about getting up and going out into the night and sitting at a bar or something has not been appealing lately. And so I was like, I think I'm gonna start a podcast. Everybody else is doing it which was hard because I was like, who cares about what I have to talk about? (laughs) This is another issue. You know, just do your thing. thing. Because it's very, you know, podcasts are weird. It's just people kind of rambling in a way. And then (laughs) 
That's why I won't do any solo episodes because I'm like, then I'm really just going to be talking about nothing. So if I have somebody here, then I can catch it back. <laughs> like you've gone off on a tangent. Let's bring it back in. There's somebody else involved. But if yeah. this is me by myself, I might be talking for four hours about absolute nonsense. So we'll just... I don't know. I, I'm, I might want to see that. That could be cool. <laughs> You're going to see me spin out <laughs> on YouTube. That would be awesome. <laughs> That'll be what goes viral is when I finally spin out. <laughs> and I don't know that I want to be viral. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scary time. So how do you, so your the name of your episode of your episode is a big girl's guide to changing course and remaining a force. So it's like changing course in your life, but still staying strong and going through all the changes. Have you had, have you had a lot of experience with, with that? Like having to change where you are in life? Yeah. Um, I mean, early on, I, I studied theater and music in college and, you know, worked for a while. Um, we learned everything. So in order to keep working in the theater, we learned about costume design and set design, lighting, stage management, directing. I mean, everything. So mm-hmm. that when you were in the lean times between shows, you could still, you know, put food on the table. So I did I did all of that. I directed, I stage managed, um, I worked in a costume shop, I did acting, and I was having the time of my life. And then um, in my late 20s, um, my father passed and my mom just couldn't handle it. You know, she just really struggled without my father. And, 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 you know, I realized she came from a different generation. She went from my grandfather's house, you know, to my dad and um, had never really lived on her own. So my idea was I'll come. I'll come help her out, you know, set her on a path, and then I can go back to my life. And um, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. She she ended up depending on me more than I anticipated. And um, my father, you know, we, we grew up, I was an Air Force brat, and then he became a pilot with Delta. So dad traveled a lot. I mean, yeah. you know, even before he passed, I mean, mom you know, had these two kids and she did stuff with us all the time. And I kept saying, you always were taking us out and doing things. I don't, you know, I know it's hard without dad, but you still are an incredible person and have so much to give. I don't understand why this is shutting you down so much. And she's like, well, he would always come home, Mm -hmm. you know, and So, um, I mean, not to bring it totally down, but just talking about, you know, changing gears. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up, ended up having to, to adapt. And then unfortunately she got ill and, you know, I had to see her through that and her passing and taking care of the estate. So after that, you know, it was like, well, so I missed that opportunity. I never got married. I never had kids. And I always thought, you know, I was going to get married, have the two and a half kids and, you know, white picket fence, the whole nine yards. Um, but it just, it just wasn't meant to be. Um, so that's why when I found the Dallas Comedy House and started taking classes again, it was like getting in touch with that creative spirit and it just re- rekindled things for me. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, if something is important to you, 
go for it, pursue it, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know? And um, if it feels right within your being, just, you gotta go for it. You really do. And you end up getting so much more out of that than any other person can give to you. I mean, for me, and um, so much more, you know, than a job can give to you either, really. And it's just satisfying that inner, whatever that is for you, you know, and, and some people it is being a mother. I've never had that experience, so I can't relate to it. I understand how that could be incredibly impactful. I mean, you, you're raising a child and, and taking care of them and nurturing them to become this incredible human being. I can't even imagine, you know, and especially in this day and time with all of the things um, in this world that we didn't have to deal with growing up, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there were, um, I mean, school was always a sacred place, you know, when we were growing up at school and church were always the safe place. We didn't mm -hmm. have, didn't have, you know, the things that are happening in this world today. Yeah. And, um, I just, I just, you, you have to be able to shift gears. I mean, because if I start thinking about all the stuff that's happening in the world, you know, and listening to the news every day, it just puts me in such a sad place. And I don't want to ignore it. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is I can't, if it's not something that I can personally fix, yeah, I can't dwell on it because I just, I'm very empathetic and you know it just drags me down so much I stopped watching the news honestly when I was pregnant with my first son because it made me so sad and scared because so I had him in 2002 so we had just had 9-11 yeah and I got pregnant right after 9-11 and so I was terrified <laughs> and then Oprah had all I couldn't even watch Oprah good because she had all kinds of stuff on there about you know kids getting like there was I never there was a there was an incident where uh daycare which is why my kids never went to daycare um luckily they didn't have to I had my mom but um where a kid uh, a daycare worker went to the store and left all the kids and then a baby a little boy got like bitten up almost to death by the other children like they just attacked him like rabid little creatures oh and I was like oh no you know and then there's like yeah. all the rash of people living there leaving their other people's children in like a bus or a car you know like yes you yes. know god bless all the little children that have been stuck in a in a car and burnt up I have never done that to my children I've never left them in the car I never understood how you did that but you know no judgment um I just I never understood it personally. I, they're the first things I think about now and they're 19 and 17. So <laughs> I'm like, are y'all okay back there? Um, yeah, yeah. But, but you um, not being technically, I guess like going through motherhood, I guarantee you there's somebody who looks at you like that. Like that, you know, you seem like, you seem like you have a very nurturing spirit. I've been around you and you're very sweet and you just look nice like you're so sweet and people it was it was very hard not to like you and I'm sure there's somebody who looks at you like a big sister or a you know and you said maybe does your sister have kids 
Um, my brother never never had kids either. Oh, um, oh you have a brother. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no I'm worries. That she's a Janice sister. I'm not a good listener. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. No, he never. And of course, you know, that was mom's mom's fear. She's like, okay, well, the McElhenney line, this, this tree is now dead. You know, you're not going to have kids. Kevin's not having kids. I mean, I'm like, well, mom, it's not intentional, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just happened that way. Um, yeah. I just, um, I think I, I hear what you're saying and yeah, I am very nurturing of my friends and the people around me. I, I care about people deeply. I really do. And, and, um, you know, want to take care of them and look after them. But, you know, I think that also could be a fault when it comes to men, you know, because girl, <laughs> because a lot of guys just look at me like the, the baby sister they want to protect or, you know, or the mom the that they mom. want to come to for advice. Right. Right. Or cash. Uh, yes. <laughs> so yes, um, I have been treated like a big girl in the past. I will not have that. But I get, I get it. Like you end up like taking care of people. Like, are you okay? Yeah. Uh, come to my bosom. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute. No, you didn't come out of my body. You need to yeah. go do your own shit. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I totally, I get it, girl. And you are, you are better than that. You're too cute for that. <laughs> Don't let them big girl you. <laughs> Tell you. It's, it's a real thing for sure. It is. Yeah. They will try. They really yeah. do. And yeah. I can, all, I like, <laughs> I used to be, I used to be harder for me to tell, or maybe I could tell and I just went with it. I don't know, but yeah, I have been single for a good five years now because I refuse to play that game with people. I don't want to. And it's, it's hard because there's either like on the flip side of that is the chubby chasers. And I don't want that either. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to be your weird fetish. <laughs> right no you know, I get it it's I like it. I don't know like do you like me for me or you like me just because I don't know <laughs> it's all the no. all the curves or whatever you want to call it I mean honestly I'm at the point where I would love to have somebody you know a companion to go out to dinner with and see a movie and see some shows and start with a good friendship you know yeah. I mean and if it evolves into something more then that's wonderful I mean, right. honestly, you know, I have, I have no problem with that, but, um, I think it's good to start from a friendship point of view. You just don't want to get stuck um, in the friend zone. You don't want to get stuck there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which but is you have somebody to share your interest with, I think is, is incredible. I already told my kids, if I'm single by the time I'm like 60, I'm just going to look for a rich gay guy and then we're just <laughs> going to get married and he can do whatever he wants to do over there. And maybe I'll do some stuff over there. Cause I used to say I would just be Blanche from the Golden Girls. Like I just just do whatever all the time. Yeah. Because by yeah. then, you know, I have my kids young. So but by that time, you should be good and grown with your own situation. Don't worry about what, what I'm doing. And I've already told you this is who right. I'm gonna be. <laughs> like, I'm so, already so don't be surprised it. when it happens. It's just, you know, this is a part of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and my son was like, I'm gonna remember to tell your grandchildren. One day your grandma sat down and said, I'm going to marry a rich gay guy and he's going to be your stepfather. And I was like, yeah. And then you can look and say, oh, look, there's grandpa Harold or whatever his name is. 
yeah. I was like, that sounds perfect. We can go do stuff together and hang out and, you know, we don't have to touch or anything. And it's great. <laughs> you don't want anything from you know, me. You know, Jen, I, I, I think you're selling this to me. Maybe <laughs> I need to rethink things. You know? yeah, so then you have that good commitment and then he's got, you know, money. So your house would be amazing. Right. It would be great. And then, you know, if you want to go have some fun and he wants to go have some fun, you just have fun and you come home and talk about it. And if you want to, that's, right. that's your bag. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No sharing, but we can share verbally. We can talk about it if you want right. to. It might be fun. <laughs> yeah, somebody to cuddle when you just want that, you know, because that's all they want is maybe a hug. Yeah. Maybe curl up and you know they're not going to want anything else. And that's, <laughs> that's great. That could work, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. You're the epitome of my rule. Big, uh, big girl rule number 186. Don't stress. Life never goes as planned. Because you had a plan. We all do. We all have a plan. Like I wasn't supposed to have kids till I was 26. I was supposed to marry JC from NSYNC or Jonathan Taylor Thomas or Justin Timberlake. None of these people do I know. (laughs) Like when my 20th high school reunion came around, my friend was like, my high school best friend, she was like, hey, we're going to go. And I was like, I told you years ago, 20 years ago. I will go if I'm either skinny and can really like look crazy at these people or if I'm married to Justin Timberlake. Right. (laughs) Neither of these things have happened. So, and you're married. So that's a whole nother dimension of being third wheeling. And I'm not going to do that with you. Right. Right. (laughs) You get to show up your husband and your kid. And I have fantastic children, but no man. And he's not, he wouldn't be Justin Timberlake apparently. So that's okay. I don't need to see them. Everybody I need to know from uh, high school is on my Facebook. <laughs> that's, you, can, that's, you follow them, stalk them, take care, you know, see what's going up and catch up that way, right? We just like things like, oh, look at your kids, you know, yeah. and sometimes I'm like, who is that? Like every once in a while I get like a request from somebody and I'm like, first of all, who are we friends with? Right. And then I'm like, okay, you look like school people. So then I send her a screenshot and I'm like, she has a much better memory. I've tried to block out as much of my childhood as possible, but she <laughs> has a good memory. And I'm like, is this somebody from high school? And she'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, nah, and I'm like, I'm not adding anybody new. I was going through um, some of my old journals and I found this like Jennifer plus somebody in there. And I was like, I text her and I was like, who is this person? Is this a real person or a TV person? Because I'm not above writing my name plus that other person. And then you do like the numbers where you, I'm, I've been boy crazy since I was a child. I was married to Tom Cruise and Charlie Sheen before Charlie Sheen was like, right, Charlie Sheen. So right. <laughs> when I was like five. <laughs> oh I was God. supposed to be with Leonardo DiCaprio years ago. So I've spent a a good time being boy crazy and she was like I remember him and I was like okay he's a high school person god I hope he's still cute was he cute because I'd be devastated if he looked trash (laughs) because he wasn't with the right woman though I don't know because some people just don't age good (laughs) I know and and it's sad when that happens right you know when you (laughs) get somebody and you realize you went to school with them and it's like oh oh you know maybe they're just 
don't know about products. I don't know. I don't know. Or just like, I like when the the pretty girl from high school just wears too much makeup still. And I'm like, ma'am, that's a lot of makeup. That is a lot of lip liner for what? Like you're still skinny and you got big boobs. Good for you. (laughs) But that thing. For the ones that, you know, go for surgery and it's like, you know, girl be you, but, but you don't look like you at all. You know, (laughs) it's like, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Oh, I totally get it about the boy crushes. Oh my God. I had a weird thing. Um, Do you remember Bonanza at all? I've seen it. I think. I mean, I've at least seen the opening credits. It wasn't something I don't, it's not something I'm interested in. Like I'm not a Western person. But I yeah. know it exists. And it dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So it was like, <laughs> whenever we spent the night at the grandparents' house, they watched the Westerns. So it was like Bonanza, Gunsmoke, Rifleman, you know, Wild Wild West. Okay. Yeah. And for some reason as a kid, I loved Lorne Green on Bonanza. He was like the father, the patriarch, the gray hair, you know? And I was just like, oh man, you know? <laughs> and my mom's like, what about Little Joe? I mean, Little Joe was Michael Landon. And I'm huh. like, no, no, he's a wimp, you know? <laughs> I like Lorne Green, you I know? I need a man. <laughs> you know, he took care of the ranch and the family and the cattle. And it was like, yes. So I maybe had- I maybe you need a big strong man maybe I just haven't found that gray-haired man yet yeah you need to go yeah. to like a ranch or something we do live in Texas so that's right it's there's possible be some somewhere it could so happen. fellas if you happen to pop up on here and you know there's like a a rancher farmersonly.com is a thing yeah if he's got a lorne green vibe hey I'm in you know a nice <laughs> what is it like salt and pepper like nice silver yeah. fox silver fox that's there's something about silver. a nice head of gray hair yeah on the right people like steve carell as he aged it's kind of hot now <laughs> yeah you know, like, steve martin always had the gray hair mm-hmm. you know? and not that you know looks wise i was drawn to him but you're drawn to his personality he's very and everything funny, funny guys are good yeah oh my god he's hilarious and and he's so brilliant, so intelligent. I mean, his writing is amazing. And, you know, he's a musician. I mean, he's got a lot of things going to. So is he Martin, single? Is he single? No, he's married to a beautiful actress. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's somebody in his circles. He has a cousin, so Steve Martin's cousin, yeah. brother, yeah. something like that. If you yeah, have some sort of talent. out to the universe, you know, yeah. Somebody Steve Martin-ish. Debbie is looking for you. That would work. That would work too. <laughs> have you watched that um only murders in the building i have have you seen it i watched about i think half the episodes i think i'm gonna re re-watch it from the beginning and then go back into it because at it's, some point i think it was on while i was doing stuff so i was so watching it yeah. yeah yeah so i think i want to go back it's, it's a it. lot of fun and it's and it, you know it's about a podcast right mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they're putting on the podcast and you know, like the guest stars with Nathan Lane and Sting. I it's love really nice. Nathan Lane. I did see the Sting one. Yeah. I did see that. Sting as Sting. So, my, uh, my sister was like, uh, it's Martin Short. Martin Short did it. I just know he did. <laughs> I don't know because I haven't watched all of it. But my, yeah. my sister has told me that she believes, without watching the show herself, that Martin yeah, Short is Martin the murderer. Short. 
And my youngest son said that too. He was just looking at him. So he just looked shifty. Well, oh, <laughs> poor Martin. That's just a poor guy, you know. And I actually love this this role that he's that he has for himself in this. You know? He's very uh, he's very diverse. You think of Martin Short and you think like Goofy, the Three Amigos. Um, what was it? Not Gilbert. It was like what's his name with the. Yeah, that character Cal- that he did on Saturday Night Live. Yes, yeah, it makes me mad because I used to watch the cartoon and I can't think of it, but you know what I'm talking about with the yeah. pants all the way up to yeah, very, forever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the nerdy guy, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, his iconic role in Father of the Bride, also with Steve Martin, mm-hmm. you know, as a caterer. They tend to so, stick together, so that's good. So a lot of those, um, yeah, are kind of really wild out there. This is a more grounded role, I think, for him. Yeah. I enjoy seeing something different from somebody like that. You know, it's He's, like when yeah. Dinero started doing comedy. I love seeing him and meet the parents. You know, mm-hmm. that was that was really wonderful to see something completely different from him. You know, yeah, because he's usually just like the scary gangster, but he was also a scary gangster, but kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. But my son, my son really likes Robert De Niro, so we watched a lot of um gangster movies like over the the pandemic because he was stuck my my youngest my oldest son and I got COVID my oldest my youngest son did not so my youngest son was stuck in his room for like a month so he would text me or call me and be like can I watch a casino and I'm like casino oh last night I watched the Godfather what (laughs) (laughs) I mean he's old I watched a lot of stuff I wasn't supposed to watch when I was younger too but I was like, he's, you know, mature enough to, he's not a psycho. So, but I was just like, what? So I've seen Goodfellas like three times already. He's always trying to make me watch it. Django is his favorite movie. I'm just like, what are we doing? (laughs) I know, right? I've I've seen a lot more Robert De Niro over the past few months than I have probably my whole life. He's very, he's very interesting. And he's kind of funny all the time. If you like, you know, he's a little, there's a little comedy in there. Because you're yeah. not going to mess with him. He can kind of say whatever he wants to, and it's funny. And you're not going to, you're not going to mess with him. It is it's no. funny. It's like Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is very funny, but also he's scary. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for sure. Like, <laughs> and Christopher Walken also. Christopher he Walken. Be, he can be very scary, but then he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. Really and that, that voice. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> How amazing to have a voice that people can like uh, mimic. And, I can and think be of the word. cool with that, you know. Yeah, to be okay with that. It's you know? very, it's very unique. I don't, I don't think there's, there's nothing specifically special about my voice that somebody's like, oh, I'm doing a Jennifer, you know? Right, right. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying exactly. Yeah, like, but somebody could do a Christopher Walken, and uh, maybe somebody Everyone could do does. Debbie. I don't know. I don't, I couldn't do it. I'm not good at that. I'm not a good imitator, but it's like, I said, you know, I do a great Ethel Merman, but nobody knows who that is. So it's ruined, you know, you do an Ethel Merman. I love Ethel Merman. Do an Ethel Merman. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. To get back from the mic a little bit. So there's no business like show business, like no business. I know. That's Ethel Merman. Uncanny. I mean, <laughs> it's like listening to the show, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and that right there, then they're going to know who it is. 
and you sing, do you sing like Ethel Merman on a regular basis or is that just for that? No, I, I, I finally, you know, got that out of my system. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like to sing like um, jazz standards and um, I do like Broadway musicals. So that's, you know, part of my wheelhouse, but, um, you know, and over the years, my voice has gotten a little lower. So mm -hmm. now it's fun playing with that and, you know, getting into some of those jazzy numbers. It's like, um, I remember in the 1980s, I got to see Lena Horn perform live wow. in wow. San Antonio and it was a huge theater and we were, we, we did have orchestra seats, but I mean, it was still a massive place. But she came out on stage and I swear she sang the entire show to me. It was just me and her, everybody else was gone. And it was, I, I've never experienced anything like that before and never again, it was amazing. And in the first act she came out and she sang um, Stormy Weather and it was lovely. And then the second act she came out and she said, you know, so I sang Stormy Weather like I did when I did it in the, when I was 20 years old, but I've lived now and I know how this song really needs to be sung. And I'd like to do it for you again. And I was bawling. Aww. I was just, I was a mess. It was like, yeah, yeah. That's what that song is about. After you've lived and you've had that heartache and, and you're telling that story again. And it was just, yeah, she was amazing. She was really I She's beautiful. What, uh, what's your favorite song to sing yourself? Oh man, there's so many. Um, I really, I really lately I'm kind of drawn to that's all, you know, um, it's about, you know, it, I can give you all these things and if that's not enough, that's all, you know, um, mm -hmm. And I, and it, there's just something really beautiful about it and sweet about it. So are you more, so are you more of like a, like an alto? Or um, like I, you know, when I was performing, when I was younger, I was a mezzo soprano mm -hmm. and yes, my, my voice got lower. And what I didn't realize, cause I did start taking voice lessons again, just to get my voice back in shape. And he's like, you're a contralto. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> like I guess all those years of smoking just did it to me I don't know but uh, yeah so I, I have a much deeper range now than I ever had before you wouldn't even seem like the person who would have buy a pack of cigarettes what? I don't I don't anymore I quit I quit you just seem like you'd be like smoking's bad put it down I was a bad girl I what I know right That's so exciting <laughs> class reunions I did go out and smoke with the bad kids right and and that was the most fun because I learned about stuff that I didn't know about it was amazing, it was amazing. <laughs> we're schooling sweet little Debbie I know the oh, 20 year no. reunion whatever 30 year you know it's like wow <laughs> one guy owns a whole, whole bunch of the porn shops in town it was amazing I was like wow well good for you <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you made a success for things. That's great. You know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I always like. I never even thought about like who, like who owns this, these yeah. shacks with XXX on them, and you know what's right? in it. 
<laughs> and if you, you own all of them, there. you know, that's kind of a big deal. He has a I chain, think- right? Okay. I've never been in one before. I, <laughs> I've had friends tell me that they wanted to buy me a, a toy, um, but they haven't. They, they were like, you're so um, goody goody. We're going to buy you this and you don't have to worry about like this guy or that guy. You take care of you. Um, but it has yet to happen or whatever. And when uh, a couple years ago, I was trying to write, I was writing a, a romance novel. I started one I haven't finished. And I was like, I need to know more about this life. <laughs> right. No. So I applied for this job at this one of those lingerie stores or whatever near my house. And I went in there and I was just like, like, you know, I have kids. I'm not a virgin, but I'm just <laughs> research. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what is that? Like I was just like, she's like, have you seen the blah blah blah? You know, whatever the name of it was. And I'm like, like I felt like such a prude I was just like ew what is <laughs> what is well, that why do y'all do that what is that for what does that do I, I know, felt right? like 15 I was <laughs> just like blown away and this is somebody's <laughs> everyday situation I don't know any of the names of things but that's why I wanted to work there but then I just I couldn't first of all they weren't paying anything and secondly <laughs> it was just like I don't want to see the people that come in here at like noon yeah yeah <laughs> that can be disturbing I mean unless they're doing it you know like a, a party or something you know um you know like you're getting married bridesmaids you know party bachelor party whatever hey, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, I don't didn't know. know if I'd want that at my like I didn't have all that like bachelorette party and stuff like that when I was married but I don't I don't think I want that like I don't want a penis straw <laughs> yeah right I don't want a penis cake I'm like you what is wrong with you, <laughs> so Why you, never is did, you? you never did like Le Bear? I've never been to a no? like a strip club or no anything like that I've seen it on tv I watched the Sopranos so now technically my son has been to a strip club because every five seconds it would be like bloop and I'd be like oh yeah and he'd be like yeah Yeah. that was like a little too much it felt like the Sopranos felt like it was like HBO going okay we can put out all this nudity we can do all these cuss words and it was like in every you know second of a scene it was like okay it's just too much it's overkill I don't think you can have a show on HBO or Showtime without some titties like I feel like you have to have because they don't show the boys at all that's why that uh, scene in Sex and the City was so special because we got because the man was exposed for the first right. time. They never show a man. You can see all you want to of a chick, but not a man, which is very strange to me. Um, but this is the world we live in. But I feel like you have to do. I have. I feel like if you have a show on HBO, you have to throw in a certain amount. Like they have a quota of cuss words, sex Definitely. scenes or something because there were a couple times when it was like there was no sex scenes no nudity um or if the sex scene was more implied or something like that for several for like two or three episodes then all of a sudden titty right in your face and I'm like that's when HBO was like we haven't seen titties in two episodes right so it's come on go do a scene at the (laughs) go do a scene at the club he owns a strip club he should be there all day he does nothing else this is what he does but he's it's a waste management what <laughs> I mean don't, don't you want to like kind of fill in the gaps I mean isn't that more stimulating you know than having it in your face like that I don't know I I mean I don't know either but I don't know I, th- I have to ask somebody who likes titties 
I'm an expert in porn. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I mean, I, I did I did get that when I went to school in San Antonio. They're like, um, where are you from? I was like, Dallas. And I'm like, Debbie does Dallas. And I'm like, what? Oh no, because your name is Debbie. I oh, didn't know. No. <laughs> you know, I've never seen one. I feel like at some point we should watch one just because it's a classic. Apparently, Debbie does whatever. Supposedly, supposedly maybe it's funny because yeah. sometimes nasty stuff is funny. Yeah. Sometimes nasty stuff is more funny than it is arousing. It's like that's just funny because I have seen a movie at some point in my life and I remember I was giggling far more than I was probably supposed to. It's like, it's so stupid. I think it was like a one of those softcore Cinemax situations. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to look at one of those at some point in your life and you look at it and you're just like, this is so stupid. Like <laughs> they're not even trying to act. Like just cut to the titties. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like all we're here for. We're not here for the storyline. We don't care about her. Somebody coming to drop off a pizza or whatever it is, and they can't pay for it. <laughs> like, so okay. I guess and that's the truth. <laughs> that's the worst thing about nasty movies, though. The guys are always look trash. They always go the the. They want to get the hot chicks, and most of the time, at least, at least she's a butterface or something. I don't know, but her. <laughs> the girls always look way better than the guys, and so yeah. I'm like, who is this a fantasy for? Not me, because he is ugly. <laughs> It's like this is not yes. for me. So it's not fair. So maybe there should be some more women-centric nudie movies out so. there. I think so. Yeah, you know, I think they tried with that. What is it? That Seventy Shades of Grey or whatever that was. I I've never seen that because I read like part of a chapter, and it was so stupid. It's kind of. Stupid. <laughs> and then I read some reviews of it where people were just like, why does she still have a flip phone in this area in time? He seems like a stalker. I was like, how is that sexy? Just pop up at my job talking about this, where you going to go? No. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, it's like, I didn't know much about S&M. So I learned a lot about that by watching it. Okay. <laughs> it's educational. Um, yeah, I remember there was a, some CSI episode early on and it was about furries okay and like and I didn't know anything about that I was like is this real is this a real thing I mean they are they they're doing a story I guess it's real you know it's real I know so bizarre it's people dressed up in like mascots having a good time I know and then they, I, I guess whatever you know, do you know people like to role play and come up with little scenarios for themselves it's very I know I'm just not that creative. I don't know. It, I don't know. I just, how does that work in the costume? I, I'm like, I just maybe it has flaps. Maybe, yeah, yeah, like those long john pajamas or something with the little butt flap. Yeah, maybe, maybe. there's flaps. Maybe it's just a dry situation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do not want that costume back. I don't know at the rental shop. No, no, thank you. <laughs> you keep yeah. it. I don't think you should be able to rent those. I think no, that's no. yours now. You own it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Have you ever seen the yeah. show Upload? Upload? It's on no. Amazon. It's like um, where people, when people die, their 
minds get uploaded and so like there's this whole world or whatever and so people who but people are who are still alive can interact with them in some sort of way oh so they had these like suits that people would put on so that the real person the person who's still alive can feel the person as they're doing things and I was like this is where we're going in life <laughs> I'm just wow. like I guarantee you somebody in on this planet has that suit somebody rich. is working on it Elon Musk, Bill Gates. Bill Gates seems like a super freak. So yeah. he probably he's probably got one. He just has, <laughs> he's not willing to share it with the public just yet. <laughs> Jeff Working Bezos probably has two. <laughs> oh they probably all hang out together and do it together. Like virtual, virtual hangouts. Yeah. Because we suit people are weird. My kids have already determined they will never own a suit because of all the movies they've seen. They're always like cokeheads and they're angry and they have their sexual deviance. <laughs> they're rude. They're like, okay, I'm never owning a suit. Like I might have slacks. I might have a jacket. I'm not going to wear them together. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to be a suit person. I can't, they can't do it. They just won't be suit people. They're scared. They're going to end up like snorting coke. There's something nice about the vest only, you know, the shirt, the vest and the pants. There's something nice about that. I don't know. I have to see if that's going too far for them. <laughs> With two people Maybe right on the trash. border there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they're just always going to dress them like, just like I dressed them for church back in the days. <laughs> nice. If they have to dress up. You did good, that's mom. <laughs> I liked them in little suits because I was looking forward to going and buying them suits when they got older like when they felt like they were like finished growing or something yeah the suits are expensive um <laughs> but they were like nope nope and I was like well when you get married that's not the kind of thing we're gonna do we're not gonna wear suits <laughs> she can't tell me what to wear <laughs> they can't tell me what to wear okay whatever <laughs> independent men that's wonderful <laughs> They got to do their own thing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you, you were talking about your old, your, your crush on um, Bonanza. Yeah. My old person crush was Davy Jones. Cause <gasps> me and my sister used to watch the monkeys and I was yes. devastated to find out that he was old enough to be my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> he was very cute. Davey he was Jones so cute. cute in the British accent. So when I was little, I had the biggest crush on him. I was going to marry Davy Jones. And then, you know, like later you find out, oh, he's elderly. <laughs> <laughs> and as I've gotten older, Mickey was never cute to me, but he's very talented. And now I'm like, I should have been, maybe I should have been looking at Mickey. Mickey had it going yeah. on, singing all the songs. He was right. jamming. Maybe I should have been looking at him. They were fun. Look at the cute. <laughs> my sister liked Peter. <laughs> Nobody liked Mike. <laughs> well, they were they were all they all had their unique thing. Yeah. The monkeys were fun. They were a lot yeah. of fun. And they were really like the first music videos too. You yeah. know, if you think about it. They kind of have like a Benny Hill twist to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of dirty old Ben, Benny yeah. Hill. <laughs> I was like, I how know. did you get away with all that? I don't know, but I, I laughed as a kid. <laughs> I laughed a lot. There's a lot of stuff I laughed at as a kid that I realized I don't know if I knew what I was looking at, but for some reason it was funny to me. Yeah. Maybe like, with the music? Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe, I don't know. Because when I was 
younger, our super love, and I still do Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I watched it over Halloween. And I was like, this shit is weird. Why was I so into this? <laughs> this is some strange shit. Like, I don't mind, you know, where, you know, sweet transvestite. I'll sing it to this day. But I just, you know, if you just like sit on the outside of it, some weird shit. So yeah. it's very, it's very strange things going on. And my sister's like, it doesn't even matter. People were probably on all kinds of drugs. <laughs> they made this up. They had to have been on all kinds of drugs. Like, what does that even mean? It doesn't matter. I know, right. It was, <laughs> it was an experience. When that movie first came out, I mean, I remember going and seeing it um, at a really old theater that had like a, a small stage in front of it. And people were already dressing up like characters and getting up on stage in front of the movie and doing all the numbers because they had learned them. Mm-hmm. You know, the time warp was a huge one. You of know? Course. And it was just like, I've never been to a movie like this before. This is really cool. How weird is this? You know? Mm-hmm. Was but getting just both of that, seeing the movie and the live experience, and as a community, as a communal group, it yeah. was really cool. It was really fun. When I was like seventeen, I think my sister took me to um, a theater. I think it's called. I think it was called Ridgely Theater. I don't know if it's still. I think it's still over there. I don't know. But they did a, um, a screening of that. And so there were people, you know, there's at some point people throw stuff at the screen and stuff. There were people dressed up. I didn't dress up. We didn't dress up. But there were people dressed up and throwing popcorn at the screen and doing whatever and doing the time warp. And it was very, very interesting. I think I was uh, a little more apt to sing along then. I wasn't as jaded as I am now. But (laughs) I sing along then. But I did this year. Well, I was in, I was folding clothes in my living room my kids were in their respective rooms because I wasn't sure if they were ready for that um, experience <laughs> they've seen it now you're singing they, they, no? they, they, they saw it now because my my youngest came in and my oldest came in me and my sister were watching it and they're like okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 weird on its own it has nothing to do with the fact that a man's wearing makeup or a corset right. or nobody cares about that anymore it's 2021 do what you want to do but (laughs) nothing to do with that but like the plot of it and then the brother and sister which I don't think I realized that they were brother and sister riffraff and whatever her name is yeah yeah I don't think I realized that ever that they I was like wait a minute (laughs) y'all nasty nasty (laughs) but I always felt bad for Tim Curry and I always cried a little bit at the end when when he lost his way so yeah I always felt bad for it. And I was my sister was like, that's understandable. <laughs> I was but like, he wasn't good. the villain. He's such a good, he's such a good actor too, though. I mean, you know, they they win your hearts. Yeah. I never saw him as the villain. Like he was weird, but they were all weird. So it's just like, yeah, you knew what you were getting into. You keep hanging out with him. <laughs> exactly. How was he the bad guy? And Meatloaf really just had to go. He was doing too much already. Yeah. I could tell. I didn't like that song and he needed to go. But Meatloaf can sing, y'all. The man's got, he's got pipes. He was singing. I mean, yeah. That's what, that's what I took away from that. I was like, damn, he can sing. You know? That's awesome. What is the song? Oh, what is the song that everybody knows? Oh my God. I don't. mm. There's a lot no, not in that movie. It's a meatloaf song. Oh. No, and he's see, like, 
he's like, I don't, I don't do that. Something like that. Something about I don't do that. I'm going to look it up. Hold on. Yeah, all of his popular <laughs> music to me always felt like he was just screaming. And I was like, I didn't know he was like a legit singer until Rocky Horror. What is that song? It's going to drive me insane. I do anything for love, but I won't do that. I think that's on a commercial too. Oh, okay. that's a meatloaf song? Oh. <laughs> it's a meatloaf song. That. That's the I only song that. I know that he does besides Hoppa Tootie, Bliss My Soul. That's all I know. Okay. Hoppa I do Tootie. anything. <laughs> Hoppa Tootie, that was in the in Rocky Heart. That was his yes, song. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of musicals, you have a musical improv show coming up. And although this episode might air after that has already occurred you do a lot of different things they can be looking out for you tell us about your musical improv situation um well there's um leslie marie collins has put together a holiday review that we're doing at the dallas comedy club on december 16th and hopefully you know if things go really well it might be a recurring thing like okay. for holidays um, which is kind of fun, you know, and musical improv just takes it to another level. Like you're going to create songs from suggestions from the audience. Okay. So, yeah. Is that something you do on a regular basis too? It's another challenge to things. It's something that I've been working on. I haven't done a lot of it performance wise. So um, this will be my first opportunity to give it a whirl. And that's at the, the Dallas Comedy Club? Dallas Comedy Club. Yeah. Oh, fun. Right now, um, on Wednesday nights through February, I perform with All Time Faves, and they're they're awesome. They're really fun to perform with. And I try to do an open mic on Monday nights, but I may be taking classes for the next eight weeks, so I'll have to get back to that. Um, but there's one at Chocolate Secrets, and there's also one at Buzz Brews in Lakewood. So I'm trying to do that, too. And are you singing anywhere, like besides the musical improv? I don't have anything set up right now. I know a lot okay. of people have been very sweet and asking me about that, but I just, I don't have anything set at the moment. We should get Hopefully. you in the Scat Jazz Lounge or something. That's Ooh. my friend sings there like maybe once a month or something. Fun. You should, that sounds fun. we should look into that. You should get into okay. that. Okay, well, Because then that's in Fort because you know I don't do Dallas. So let's, <laughs> and then I can come see you. I can see you do it. Because oh. I've, I've never I've never heard you just sing, sing. I heard the Ethel Merman, obviously, now. But I've never yeah. heard you sing, sing. So that was a pleasant surprise to know that that's part of your <laughs> repertoire. Something fun I like to do. Yeah. Oh, sure. you're so cute, Debbie. Uh, <laughs> this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Where can we find you on the internet? Um, I am on Facebook. I know I'm real old school. I know a lot of people don't do Facebook, but I do Facebook. Um, I do Instagram under DebbieMC9, I think is my handle. Debbie okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I just, whenever I can get something going on stage, I, I try to post about it so my friends can come out if they have a chance, which is awesome. I will post your Instagram handle um, on my website, www.abiggirlsguide.com. And of course, on my Instagram, which you'll see in the credits. And you'll see your, your Instagram in the credits. So we'll, 
cool. We're gonna put we're gonna put that out there so people can go follow Debbie yeah. McHaney. Mac- <sighs> McElhaney. I know McElhaney. It's a hard one. I, I want to say McHaney, and that's not it. It's Mac McElhaney. That's it. Okay, I was trying to make it too basic. It's McElhaney. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie is anything, anything but basic. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Debbie, for talking to me. It was so much fun. We, I didn't get to talk to you a whole bunch in the class. So, because I'm kind of standoffish around strangers. But <laughs> so this is a good time. I knew, you had, I knew you had a huge heart. I knew it. I knew it. When I started following you on Facebook, I'm like, ah, that Jen. I'm more of a one-on-one person. I can't do, I don't do groups of people. I'm just like, all right, I got to get out of here. It's too many too many personalities happening. I know, but you finally let me hug you. I mean, I, that took a lot. Okay, that's a special thing, then, because I don't let anybody... <laughs> I know, it took a lot, and I knew you, and I was like, I was like, but, you know, I'm feeling it. <laughs> well, you know, now that, you know, I'm vaxxed, and you're vaxxed, maybe one day we'll meet, and we'll hug again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well bye, um, bye-bye, Debbie. Thank so you so much. To you. It was lovely talking to you.